The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and just praising you at this moment, thanking you for this time that you allowed to happen, for us to be together, to listen to you, to praise you, to worship you, thank you. Um, just be with us today, Lord. Jesus, I thank you for the promise of rest that you offer to us. Holy Spirit, equip us with the wisdom that we need as we dive into um, your promise, as we understand rest, as we understand burden, as we understand heavy laden. Please be with Randall. Uh, use him to speak truth to us, Lord, and to reveal more of you to us. And be with us today, Lord. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Grace City. How's everyone doing? Good? All right. Well, my name is Randall. If this is your first time here, I am the lead pastor of Grace City, and I'm glad you're here this morning because uh, we are finishing right now a series that we've been going through for the past month called Everyday Gospel. And we've been talking about what the gospel means for our lives. Um, and what we said is simply the gospel means good news, good news that God has given us of what he has done to save us. And so that's the simple Christian message. That's not about our work and what we do for God, but what God has done for us and us simply receiving it, believing in faith in Jesus. And so we've been talking about how that affects our everyday lives. And we've gone through the series from the gospel in me to um, the gospel and relationships to the gospel and work. And today uh, we're going to be talking about the gospel and rhythms. And so the rhythms for our lives. Um, and if you've missed any of them, you can check out the app or go on the podcast and listen to those. And I would encourage you to do that as well. Um, our text today, as A just read, is Matthew eleven twenty-seven 27 through 30. And for me, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Um, You know, preachers say all the time, like, this is my favorite, this is my favorite. Like, this really is my favorite scripture because I need it. I need it. I need to be reminded of this, that Jesus gives this amazing invitation to people who are tired, weary. And when we talk about rhythms, just the pace of life and how quick it can get, I need this scripture. And so how does Jesus affect our rhythms for life? 
Now, if someone were to ask you about your current pace in life, would you describe it more like a marathon or a sprint? And is your pace sustainable? It's important to look at that because here's what it looks like. It's the young professional working 60 to 70 hours a week, maybe more. It's the working woman getting the emergency email at 7 p.m. right when she gets home. It's the young married couple just trying to find time for one another. It's the single mom working two jobs and trying to get dinner on the table. It's the college student who doesn't have time for relationships because study is all-consuming. Stress, anxiety, building, pace, rhythms. Today, rhythms are a struggle for all of us, isn't it? We have to ask the question, why? Well, since 1950, our culture's pace hasn't slowed down. It's only sped up. And according to one business strategist, he says, we do more trade in one day than the world did in the year 1950. We do more research in one day than the world did in the year 1960. We send more mail in one day than the world did in the year 1970. We make more phone calls in one day than the world did in the year 1980. We send more email in one day than the world did in the year 1994. The late Carrie Fisher once said, these days instant gratification takes too long. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't, that, doesn't it feel like that? Uh, this past week, I was driving in the car with my kids. I've got three kids and uh, my youngest, Ava, she's four years old. And we're driving and there's a little bit of traffic. And she looks over at the car in front of us and she says, car, go already. <laughs> Sorry, Ava, it's not how it works. <laughs> Gotta wait in line. But that anxious rhythm, that pace has even gotten into our kids. So what are the effects of our addiction to a faster-paced life? Well, there's many articles that have been put out about this, but, but one lady, uh, Stephanie Brown, talks about it in an article that she put out in the New York Post called Society's Self-Destructive Addiction to Faster Living. And you think about New York, I mean, that's, that's a fast pace. But one of the things that she talks about is she says this. She says, you know, like baby boomers, um, they know what they've lost when you talk about a faster pace and what we live in today. But the thing that she said was very dangerous is that the younger generation is growing up with this addiction, this inner pressure, this chronic stress as a normal for life. And as it gets faster, we don't know what we've lost and we're eventually picking up the pieces, the developmental pieces that we've missed along the way. We don't know what we're missing because as we've grown up, as we've gone into this culture of fast pace, faster, 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 it's all we know. See, for both Christians and non-Christians, pace and eventually burnout is a reality. And in today's text, Jesus points out that the problem is a much deeper spiritual issue that we all have. 
what can be described as gospel gaps. Right, like what we talked about in the series is that the gospel is an announcement of good news. And so Jesus is telling us about this huge gap in our life where we need some good news to help us settle down, to not live so fast-paced, not be so stressed. Gospel gaps, how does God fill them? Today, we're gonna look at how the gospel affects our rhythms in everyday life. And we're studying Matthew eleven twenty-seven 27 through 30. And so in this text, we learn three ways in which the gospel helps give us a new rhythm for life. And so I'm gonna give you all three up front. Here's what they are. The gospel helps us by revealing, number one, our starting place. Number two, our deep struggle. And number three, our new pace. Number one, our starting place. Number two, our deep struggle. And number three, our new pace. Okay, so the first point we can find in verse 27, our starting place. Uh, Jesus starts out in verse 27 by saying this. He says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And so I, I just want you, if you're, if you're studying the Bible right now, looking at your Bible, underline the word, the two words, all things. All things. Now, we find a similar passage in Matthew 28, 18, when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So what is the starting place that Jesus is saying, okay, if you want to live a more stress-free life, where do you start? He says, start in knowing that all things are not in your hands. They're in God's hands. It's in Jesus' hands. So he says, all, my Father's given me all things. It's in God's hands. See, what causes so much frustration and anger in our lives? It's the belief that I control my life. I've got this. And what, what happens is we connect everything that happens in our lives to ourselves. And subconsciously, we get to this place where we are the center of the universe. Everything is revolving around us. See, the many times I'm talking my son, my seven-year-old, off the ledge is when he is thinking that life revolves around him. When are the, time, when are the times he's most stressed out, anxious, mad, upset? It's when he thought that everything was connected to him. And I gotta confess that it looks a lot like me in my relationship with God. Many times when I'm stressed, when I'm anxious, when I'm worried, when I'm concerned about things, I'm thinking that I have some form of control over those events or those things in my life. But what Jesus is telling us here is he says, okay, start with this. No, no. Any good parent knows that you start with no. Right? Like, no, that's not good for you. No, I, I have a different way for you. No, like, there's some better things for your life. The world is not centered on me. See, we're not the center of the universe. God is. And all things are not in our hands. They're in his hands. That's why Psalm 46.10 reminds us, it says, be still and know 
that I am God. It can literally be translated this. Cease striving and experience that he is God. See, see, where do we experience God? It's not in us working our way to him, but it's in stopping for a minute and realizing that we're not God, that we need God. And then God comes into our life and we experience him in a radical new way. When we are still, we realize the truth that we're limited beings. We are limited beings. I remember watching this movie. It's called Limitless. And this guy takes this pill and he is just limitless. He can do all of these things. But what happens is it wrecks his life. Wrecks his life. See, when we think that we are limitless beings, we are putting ourselves in the place of God. And Jesus is not afraid to point out to us this, that you and I have limitations. Say, where do I start with my rhythms? Start here. We can't do it all. We can't do it all. In a 2015 article called, I Think America's Out of Hand, Matt Sacharo uh, writes, the American worker is overworked, underpaid, and suffering from severe burnout. This isn't the workplace of 10 years ago, says Dan Schwabel. Um, there's a lot of pressure, and it's competitive in the sense that anyone in the world can take your job for less money. So you have to work harder, and work harder Americans have. So, some work so hard it kills them like a Bank of America intern who passed away after working 72 hours straight. 72 hours straight. This is a true story. See, we do have limits. And all things are not in our hands. They're in Jesus' hands. And so secondly, as Jesus points out first that it's in his hands, not in ours, he gets to the second point, our deeper struggle. Our deep, deep struggle. And so you can find it in verse 28. Look at verse 28. Here's what it says. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What's the focus? Jesus calls us out. He calls out. He, he gives this amazing invitation. He says, all who labor and are heavy laden, Again, one of these words, can, uh, the word labor can be translated as exhausted. You're just exhausted. So is, there, is there anybody out there who's just exhausted by life, by the heaviness of life? See, as Jesus is saying this, he's uncovering the human dilemma. It's our innermost struggle. Jesus' state, Jesus's statement is meant to stop us in our tracks again. And the key word here is he says, all. All who labor and are heavy laden. And some of us here are saying today, all? Oh, Jesus, come on. Me? No. Not me. I, I got this under control. I got this under wraps. I can take care of this. 
not me. Jesus tells us, all of us trying to hold it together, and some of us hide it better than others, but all of us have this inner struggle that has the ability to crush us if not dealt with. If it's not dealt with. I was 22 years old. Graduation was right around the corner. Marriage is right around the corner. And I remember I was sitting in my dorm room and I had this, uh, the only way I could describe it is just, I couldn't breathe. I'm sitting there at my desk. I'm trying to catch a breath. I cannot catch a breath. And I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with me? And so I took myself over to the emergency room. And I said, you, you gotta do some tests on me. You gotta, I, I, I can't breathe. There's something wrong with me. I got asthma, something's happening with me. And I remember the doctor when he came around the corner and he gets my reports back and he says, um, so I've checked everything and you're breathing normally. You're fine. And I said, you're crazy. No, I know something's wrong with me. And he said, uh, well, you, you got any big things happening in your life? I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm graduating soon and uh, getting married. And he said, uh, yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> You're stressed out. You, you, you. And, and I looked back and I said, and I'm thinking in my head, like, they pay you for this? That's what's wrong? No. I am not a stressed out person. I'm not an anxious person. I've never been that way. But then I started to look back on my life. And I started to realize all these moments where I would go to my mom and say, Mom, I'm having a hard time breathing right now. And then I remember it was the day before the first day of school. See, it had been a lifelong struggle that I dealt with, and I didn't see it. I didn't want to recognize it. I didn't want to own it. That I had this inner thing that was going on, and it wouldn't let me stop. And so Jesus says, there's a restlessness in the soul that we all have. We have this deep spiritual issue and it comes out differently in a lot of us, but it's there. And many times we don't recognize it and we don't wanna own it. I didn't wanna face it that day until the doctor told me that's what I was dealing with. See, instead what we do is we rage against our limitations and we continue to believe, I can do this. And we run ourselves into the ground, physically, to the point where our bodies can't take it. And so Jesus lovingly gives this invitation saying, stop and come to me. And what does he say? I will give you rest. Rest. 
See, there is an anxious toil in all of us. Psalm 127.2 says this, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Listen to this, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Sleep. See, what's the narrative in our hearts right now that's telling us you can't sleep, you can't rest? Is it the story? I have to do it all and it all depends on me. It's all riding on my shoulders. What Jesus wants to do is he wants to write a new script in our lives, a new story that says this, the gospel. Hey, you have a hiding place. Hey, you have a place to come and rest. Hey, you can stop for a moment and know that I'm God. See, Jesus doesn't point us to a new breathing technique, a bigger and better vacation. Uh, He doesn't sound like a self-help book. His answer is this. He says, look at me. Come to me. You see, if Jesus changed the wording, he says, be like me. In that phrase, it, it wouldn't add more relief to you would add more stress. It it would say, oh, now now I've got another thing on my plate to do. Go, Go be like Jesus. No, he simply says, come to me. That's the good news. He opens an invitation to anyone who's weary, broken down, exhausted, and says, get in here. For many of us, the script in our mind is this, strive unceasingly, do more. Jesus says, stop. Stop it. Augustine of Hippo, early church father, once said this. He says, you made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. I know it sounds crazy, but could you believe for a moment that your answer is not going to be in that dream vacation? It's not going to be in that new job. It's not going to be somewhere else. But could you believe that it could be for a minute just resting in God? As God says, come to me if you're burdened. I'm the answer to your deepest struggle. Because here's the thing. We know that things still happens on vacation, right? It's still rattling around in there. It's still not enough time. There's still something happening in there that we're asking just please, please, please stop. We just fill the void with something else. I was golfing a few uh, months back and there was a guy that was golfing in front of us and he was golfing solo and, um, and he was, he looked really upset. You know, he's like hitting, you know, and I, I, I'm like, golf is just one of the most frustrating sports <laughs> you try to play. But, um, He's out on the course, 
And uh, he, he, he yelled, to, he's like, hey guys, I'm just here to relax. And then I saw him on his golf cart, trying to drive while he had a laptop open, doing his work and on phone calls while he's in, you know, golfing, which was supposed to be relaxing. And I was, I was thinking to myself, isn't this like a great visual of like what we do? I'm just here to relax, guys. But then we figure out something else to worry us, to concern us. We can't stop. It's our deep struggle. And so Jesus gives this invitation. He says, come to me. And then our last point is this, our new pace. Okay, so realistically now, okay, Jesus tells us to come to him, but, but what's next? Verses 29 and 30 say this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now during that time, they would call the yoke the teachings that a teacher would give them. So if you, if you were to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow this rabbi, I'm going to follow this teacher. Um, you're taking on their teachings on yourself. And so Jesus says, okay, you want to come to me. Take my teachings onto yourself. Take myself on, like, I, I, I want a relationship with you. See, but many times we distance ourselves from Jesus. And what happens is this. We say, well, we don't have people walking around telling us, like teachers back then. But here's the thing. You and I are getting taught all the time of ways to live and what we need next and how we, what pace we should be at. And so what, what it is for us is taking on the rhythm of the world, the ideas of the world. Basically that I gotta do more and Jesus is not enough for me. And so many of us are believing ideas and, and we've taken on a yoke that in many ways crushes us. And what happens is that yoke that we take on, it's not gentle, it's burdensome. It's not humble. This is the only place in scripture where Jesus describes himself. Jesus says, you wanna know who I am? You, don't, you wanna know what I'm like? He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. He's gentle and he's humble. So as Jesus describes himself, he says, okay, like there are a lot of teachings that you're believing right now that aren't gentle and humble. They're crushing you. They're fast paced. It's more, 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 more. But Jesus says, when, when you take on my teachings, it's actually gentle and, and humble. And what will happen is you'll find rest for your souls. And so my question this morning is this, like, have you or are you in a restful place right now? This isn't like things aren't chaotic around you because that's just the world. But are you in a place where you're rested where you're not running around frenzied 
Because that's what Jesus offers us is he says, okay, come, come to me. Because when you take the yoke upon you, he says this. He says, learn from me. So this is discipleship. See, for many of us, we say, I, I know that it says be still and know that he is God. I know that it says that uh, Jesus says to, to, to rest and, and take a Sabbath and all those things. But I don't have time for that. Then we're not rested. When Jesus says take the yoke, my yoke, he's saying take my teachings on and trust me and believe it. Believe that it's true. And just know that I'm gentle. I'm filled with grace for you. I'm filled with love for you. I care about you. How often do you feel that way? How often do you feel like, oh man, like I, I feel really rested right now and I feel good? Because Jesus, at the end, he says, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So that's the answer of whether or not we are living in the teachings of Jesus. Do you feel like light? <laughs> It's maybe because we're carrying some things that Jesus didn't tell us to carry. And we're putting pressures on ourselves that aren't from him, but maybe from the pressures of others. You see, one of my biggest struggles and one of the things that caused me the most anxiety is that I am a people pleaser. I don't want to let people down. I, I want the approval of others. And so what happens is I double book myself and I get on this track where I'm scheduling myself for things at a pace where I can't say no and then I'm really burdened and my yoke doesn't feel easy or light and so Jesus says, would you take on my teachings? Would you take on my way? And would you understand that I'm not placing some heavy burdens on you? Because he's gentle and he loves you and he cares for you. There's, there's no teaching like this in the world. Nothing like Christianity that could free you like that. Timothy Keller on this verse says this. He says, whatever is bugging you, whatever is bothering you, whatever is draining you, whatever is making you unbelievably tired in soul today is because you're yoked to something besides Jesus, period. In June 2016, Stephen D'Souza wrote an article in the Harvard Business Review called Don't Get Surprised by Burnout. Here's what he says. Therapy, coaching, exercise, or meditation may relieve the symptoms of burnout and help us cope or even thrive in these conditions, but they won't necessarily change the conditions themselves. Chaotic areas, chaotic spaces. For people who have already tried mindfulness and deep breathing and other exercises are still struggling with burnout. We might also need to challenge some fundamental assumptions around how much we can really do 
and develop the capability and permission to not do. We don't have the capacity to do it all. Many of us carry burdens that we must do it all. And so our rhythms are out of control. And the gospel, here's the gospel truth. As Christians, we trust the one who has done it all. That's what gives you the sigh of relief. That's what gives you the, you mean the world isn't on my shoulders? Jesus said in John 19, 30, it is finished. James Proctor in his 1864 hymn says this, lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet, stand in him and him alone, gloriously complete. Do you realize that today that is the invitation that he gives you and me? to lay our deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet, to stand in him and him alone, gloriously complete. Well, what are others gonna say about me? What are they gonna think about me? What does Jesus think about you? How does Jesus love you and care for you? Because he will care for you like no one else ever will. You don't even love yourself that way, and I don't either. Because that's why we get in the rat race and that's why we run ourselves ragged. And I just want to say this, with Grace City, I'm not expecting you to be at everything. Right, like this isn't one of those churches. I know the pace that many of you are running right now. And we are here to equip you with the good news of Jesus. Because that's how Jesus loved us. Right? It's not run, 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 do more, more, more. It's be able to be restful in him. And if that thing that's gonna be restful for you is coming to something that we put on, praise God. Because here's the other side. Some of us are like, oh man, I'm not doing any of that and I'm not gonna be in the word and I'm not gonna be discipled and I'm not gonna be, and you, that's why, again, we're in the place that we are. It's because we're not willing to come under Jesus' teaching. We're not willing to learn from him because that's what he tells us. He's to learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart. Okay, so as we finish up, the first, let me give you some helpful takeaways to apply the gospel to our daily rhythms. First one is this. Start with Jesus. Just some quick questions. Is Jesus a part of your rhythms during the day or is he an afterthought? okay. What burdens are you carrying in life? And let me ask you this. Did Jesus ask you to carry those? Did he call you to do that? Are you placing this pressure on yourself because you're trying to appease others? And I have to be there. I have to do this thing. It's not from a rested place. C.S. Lewis once said, it comes from the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. Your first job each morning consists simply of shoving them all back and listening to the other voice, taking the other point of view, letting the other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, and so on all day. Standing back 
from all your natural fussings and frettings coming in out of the wind. Isn't that how it is when you wake up in the morning? I got to do more. Could you push him back for just a moment? Listen to his voice. Open up his word. Say, Lord, what are you wanting to speak to me today? I'm here. I'm listening. I want to learn from you. I want to learn your ways. Start with Jesus. Second is this. Trust God's way. Like I said, God's clear about Sabbath, about rest. And here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus secured our rest by dying on the cross for us. So how do you celebrate Jesus dying on the cross for you? You can rest. You can celebrate with resting. See, much of our culture has rejected this way of life and it's greatly affected us. Guys, I believe in my late 20s, I was on a path towards burnout. I really was. Just like getting to this place where I could just feel it. And um, one of the first things, first symptoms of burnout is this. The first thing to go is sleep. Studies show abandoning sleep is the number one destroyer of your effectiveness. Uh, It takes out your adrenal glands. Um, Our creativity is shot. The sports world takes this seriously. Do you know LeBron James averages 11 to 12 hours of sleep a day? You're like, how do I do that? I I don't know. But he does it. And uh, research says ideally we should be between 8 to 11 hours of sleep. So I'm right there at 11, or not 11, but at 8. <laughs> I'm at 8. But where are you at on that spectrum? Let me just ask that. And, and see, Jesus practiced the rhythm of rest, seclusion, and Sabbath. If you want to read about it, go to Mark 4. Jesus, you know, Jesus is asleep in a boat. And his disciples are freaking out. (laughs) Jesus, you don't care about us. You don't love us. Um, Jesus is taking a nap. And so (laughs) he does. He loves them. But one of the things he says at the beginning of the verse, if you look in in there, he says, um, we're going to the other side. When Jesus says something, he means it. And so he knew that the storm was coming. Disciples didn't, but he also told them they're going, you're going to make it to the other side. And so just know that um, you can rest and know that you're gonna make it because Jesus is with you. So what is keeping you from trusting God in your rhythms? And can you trust God enough to rest in Sabbath? So just some practical steps for Sabbath, just some suggestions. This is not one size fits all, just real quick. Schedule your Sabbath days, schedule time. Okay, so schedule some time, set it aside. Be willing to turn off your phone. If you're going on vacations too, if you're not doing that already, do it. Turn it off. Be all there. Take time away from social media. I know people are waiting for our updates, but <laughs> it's just, just don't give the people what they want just for a week, right? <laughs> so they can wait. And Try and get an app that assesses your sleep cycles because that, that might be a ra- reality check for you where you're like, oh man, I'm not getting as much sleep as I thought I was. So it's just, again, a reality check. And ultimately, it's this. Martin Luther says, the spiritual rest, which God particularly intends in the Sabbath, is this. 
that we not cease from our labors and trade, but much more, that we let God alone work in us and that we do nothing of our own with all our powers. It's a reminder again, we're not God. I'm not God, but I trust him. And the third is, understand seasons. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a season. This is, this is a hard thing for us. Like, so there are busier seasons than other seasons. But we make more restful seasons. It should be more restful, more busy. We don't understand the cycle here. And so, yes, there are busy seasons where you're working 60, 70 hours. But you need to get to this place where you say, okay, there's also rest seasons. It's a part of Sabbath and understanding that. Because here's what happens. This is, this is, there's a, a book called Adrenaline and Stress. It was super helpful for me. But one of the things he says is that your body and my body, it's, there's eustress and de-stress. Usually when we're freaking out, it's distress. But also you stress is when like really good things are happening too. And so you're like really high, like, yeah, great things are happening. But what happens is it really takes a toll on your adrenal glands. Really takes a toll. And it gets to this place where you've got nothing left to that point where you feel like, I don't feel like I can really, really have any emotion right now. It's not a healthy place. And I'm saying that because I've been there. And you're just kind of like, blah getting this really dangerous place where we don't understand seasons and we don't understand rest and we don't really appreciate it. And so Charles Spurgeon once said, rest time is not waste time. It is economy to gather fresh strength. It is wisdom to take occasional furlough. In the long run, we shall do more by sometimes doing less. So where are you at on that? And are you willing to trust God in the season when it's like, okay, it's really time to rest. Things are slowing down. Pace of work slowing down a little bit. And it's okay for me to say, okay, Lord, help me to rest. Instead of just filling my calendar, my schedule with more stuff. Because God understands that. And he knows that about us. So are we willing to trust him on that? As I wrap up, What frees us to be able to do this? You know, Jesus came to his disciples in Matthew 26. And he simply asked them, he says, um, could you guys just pray for me? And Jesus goes off and he prays and he comes back and he finds his disciples fast asleep. And he wakes them up, he says, guys, guys, I really need you right now could you just pray for me? And he goes and prays again and he comes back and they're fast asleep. The reason that you and I can rest and really rest because Jesus didn't rebuke them. He didn't say like, okay, you're out. You're, you're not a disciple anymore. You don't have the discipline to pray. He says, you guys are like, he, said, he tells them the truth. He's just like, you guys, this is where you're at. You're just like lazy dogs by the fire. <laughs> That's where you're at. I'm trying to wake you up spiritually. So Jesus was about to do the most important work that this world has ever known. 
Because as he prayed, he's praying and saying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he goes all the way to the cross right after that. He dies for the tired, weary disciple who couldn't stay awake, who didn't have enough discipline to get through. And he says, guys, I got grace for you. I got love for you. Just come to me. Because as he raises from the dead, it changes everything. It changes everything. So do you know that Jesus today? The one who doesn't lay a heavy burden on you and say, here's what you have to do, but says, hey, I've done it all for you. Now you get to learn from me. Now you get to grow. Now you get to learn what it means to be a disciple. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that, um, that you help our rhythms, our pace, where we're at, Lord, in life. I know that if it wasn't for learning this, and growing in this and, and just knowing that that's how you view me, God, I, I, would, I would have burned out. And today, there might be some here who are on the verge of that. I've had friends that have been there. And I pray, Lord, for anyone that's on that track that they'll, they'll stop for a minute and they'll find rest in you, God. That you're not laying heavy things on them, but saying, just come to me. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Lord, that they'll come to you today and experience the gospel. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.